Welcome to the Retrospect Podcast, a show where people come together from different walks of life and discuss a topic from their generation's perspective. My name is Ian, and as always, I'm joined by Jason. Hello, everyone. And normally it would be Stony, but he's playing hooky Miss, today. Mrs. Stoney yeah, yeah, right, right. is Yay. in the house. <laughs> and I, feel I am filling in for Stoney today. We'll right. give him a pass. Yes, he had a time. rough day. He had a really rough day. Today was the first full day of PT and speech therapy, and uh, he he was just absolutely fried by the time he was done with that. He had he had nothing left in him to get here. So I am filling in for him. So um, hold, on. <laughs> hey, hold, hold on. I don't like that. That feels like a threat. I'm playing. Hey, you never know. You're right. Miranda, you look like you got more notes than I have. So I, I have a well, you, you know that today's topic is something that's near and dear to my heart. So I, I came with receipts. There you go. There you go. And well speaking of that, we have a, a lovely guest, Lauren. Go ahead and tell the people what, uh, what all you are you specialize in. So I'm a woman's health and orthopedic physical therapist, and I I specialize in spinal dysfunction and pelvic floor dysfunction. However, you want to say it, tomato, tomato. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and I, um, I'm the owner of Integrative Spine and Pelvic Health. Wonderful. And so I, and and it, it, it feels a, a true return to form this week because, like we said before, Jason's got got some got some papers here. So I'm, I'm excited to see <laughs> oh, what it, what are some. <laughs> you know, I mean, I you mean, know, it feels good. I, it feels know, good. I, I had to try to do some research on this because I don't, I, you know, I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. So it was like, right. you know, you got to throw me a bone here. You my, know? <laughs> Lord, my, yeah. my fiance, my fiance works in in the natural birth world. And so she knows, uh, or has is in the same sort of sphere. We're in the same world, right? Right. And so yes. I, I feel like I know a lot of this secondhand because, again, cool. you know, uh, she she talks about it a lot and is also very passionate about it. And so I feel like because of that, I'm also pretty passionate about some of the things that she's a part of exactly right yeah you're like oh please let's talk exactly right right so um so what what is the what is this what's gonna how we're gonna start today with well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna ask here okay i i doing this some of this pulling some of this research uh, what is a pelvic floor okay tell me about that so your pelvic floor I was okay. going to be sarcastic, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, actually, this is this is a really good question. You're right. You're right? right. Because we throw away, we throw around this like, oh, pelvic floor, pelvic. but um, yeah, a lot of my patients are like, but what, like, what, what is this? <laughs> What's going on with me? What is a pelvic floor? So your pelvic floor consists of um, your pelvic joints, muscles, and nerves. Um, and so it's a sling of muscles that go from your pubic bone to your tailbone. And they are mm. responsible for bowel, bladder, and sexual function. So I'm a bowel and bladder specialist, and I also call myself a sexual education counselor. Wow. So I didn't know what was mm-hmm. encompassed all of that. Right. Um, so really, if you think about any con- any anything in your pelvis, so mm-hmm. like your hips, um, your bladder, your bowel, you know, your reproductive organs, the nerves in your pelvis. Mm-hmm. Um, we, that's, that's our jam. Right, you know, right, that's, right. 
And the muscles and the organs work together. So right. if there's something going on in your bladder, in your bowel, your uterus, mm-hmm. um, then there's also something going on with your muscles. Interesting. So, and I just wanted to pipe up here that, you know, we're looking at this from a women's perspective today. Right. But, but 16% yeah. of men mm-hmm. end up with pelvic floor dysfunction, too. I, I was yeah. about to say, I've heard You know, this. I was reading yeah. some of this. I was like, you know, I'm wondering if I have some of this. <laughs> 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 you know, I don't know. I mean, because they were talking about active, you know, like people who engage in a lot of strenuous activity. Well, my whole life, mm-hmm. I was a weightlifter mm-hmm. and lifted way too much weight. Well, and, and put anything where you're doing that Valsalva, where you're kind of pushing down or bearing down on things. You know, I did a lot stresses of stresses out that area. Squats <laughs> and deadlifts, <laughs> yeah. and unfortunately, I'm paying for it now. But right. uh, and let me, I want to kind of uh, side eye, side eye on the 16 percent because it's probably more than that. It's oh, because right, right, okay, right. so for men, how does pelvic floor dysfunction present? Well. It can be, can I say, premature mm-hmm. ejaculation? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, sorry, I didn't know what I right, could right. say. I talk about this like the of weather. Course. You're right. As a you're sexual right. Health yeah, yeah. Counselor. Um, but it could be premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, um, pelvic pelvic pain, um, wow. like constipation. Constipation, mm-hmm. exactly. And men tend to not seek help for these issues. So, therefore, the you know, it's, it's it, the data thread. is lacking. The <laughs> data is lacking. Exactly. And so um, and so, too, with women, you know, one in three women, you know, statistically have pelvic floor dysfunction. But really, I would I, w- I really want to say it's probably like 50 percent. Well, 50 wow. percent of women over 50 have it. Yeah. So so we know right. the <laughs> odds are in your favor that you're going to yeah. have it at some point. And I'd say a lot of young women, I would still say like 50 percent. Mm-hmm. Honestly, wow. um, it really is. Well, cor- according to this study, yeah. I-, I read that it said that the frequency of pelvic floor disorders increases with age. Correct. Mm. Affecting more than 40% of women mm-hmm. from 60 to 79 years of age with about 50% of women 80 and older. Yes. So wow. it appears to be something that's almost inevitable. Yeah. Well, part I mean, of it, yeah. Well, part of it is because of hormones. Right. Mm. So as women enter perimenopause and menopause, we lose estrogen. And what is estrogen responsible for? Well, estrogen builds up your muscle, your bone. Right. So, you know, we just we tend to think about it as just like, oh, this reproductive elasticity. Exactly. Like we tend to just think of estrogen you know, in our reproductive ages, you know, it's like a sex hormone that, you know, but, you know, that's why women have more um, osteoporosis than men. Oh, wow. Right. More heart disease. It's because estrogen starts to decline. And so as estrogen declines, well, muscle, your muscle, all muscle function. So that's part of it. Also, what we're seeing is these obstetric injuries that are occurring to women when we're young, like in our 30s, um, there's some women are having babies in their 40s, which is awesome and great. But, um, you know, in our in our 30s, they're coming back to haunt us. Mm. They're coming back to haunt us in perimenopause and menopause. So my passion in life that fuels me and gives me so much joy is 
helping women mm-hmm. that are pregnant and I'm trying to prevent these injuries from happening. Oh, okay, I see. So, right? It's that was, preventative. That was going to be my question was, is, is there something that people could do to like actively watch out for stuff like that? I know I'm probably yeah. jumping ahead of myself, but that's there like abs- a... No, that yeah. is. It, 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 there is. And it's... Um, so I have a birth prep program and I help women um, prepare for birth Mm. And it, it naturally, or if they decide to get medication, but it's basically to reduce their risk of an injury mm-hmm. um, during birth so that they can recover really well and right. then help them, you know, reduce their risk of, of course, having yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bad pelvic floor dysfunction exactly. as they get older. Sorry. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm like starting to get. No, it's okay. You can <laughs> like lean back. You can, push, you can push as far as you want. <laughs> um, so... So yeah, there yeah, is a lot exactly. of preventative measures. Interesting. Yeah. What mm-hmm. what kind of drove you to this? Yeah. I'm oh, curious. I get this what's, question what's, every what's the motivation? Day. I mean, there had to be something that kind of yeah. yeah. So, you know, before I got into pelvic health, I was like I mentioned an orthopedic physical therapist and I was treating shoulders and knees and toes and elbows. <laughs> and um, now you are the Kegel master. <laughs> and now well, I'm about to debunk that too. We're about to talk about Kegels. That's a whole nother. I we're saw that up in that. the in the literature. Yeah. Um, talk about Kegels because I'm not. <laughs> I'm kind of on an anti-Kegel campaign. Uh-oh. And we'll talk about Whoa, that a whole campaign. later. Yeah. Um, but a lot of pelvic health physical therapists are on the anti-Kegel campaign, and mm-hmm. I'll talk about that later. But anyway, um, yeah, so I was in orthopedics and helping people with their spine and their hips and their toes and their nose. But anyway, right. um, I got pregnant and um, had a lot of pain. I had a lot of pelvic pain. I had a lot of issues during my pregnancy, and I was getting physical therapy at physical therapy. I was also getting chiropractic care because I was in tremendous pain. Um, and I remember I had to advocate, advocate for myself during that time because even my OBGYN, she's just like, I don't know, you know, oh, this is normal. This, all mm. of this is so normal. I'm like, I can barely walk. I can barely yeah, function. This doesn't feel like, normal. This doesn't yeah. feel normal, especially my mom, you know, she was like, I mean, I was a pregnancy goddess. I, no, no. <laughs> you know, my mom yeah, had yeah. this podcast. It was so effortless. Uh, yeah. so I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Right, right, right. So, uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say, can, like, can, we, can we say that for a second? The, Absolutely. The, the, so we had, we had an episode a little while ago with Jennifer Richardson. Right. And we, and with her what episode whole, was that? I don't know what number it was. I, that's why I didn't say it. I'm keeping vagueness in my favor. Um, <laughs> but, but, I'm but, up, but, I'm yeah, up. <laughs> It was and, a few months back. And she's your your mom, is that correct? Yeah, okay. she's my mom. Wow. And she started Keep Tiger Town Beautiful. Right, right. exactly, yeah. A um, bunch of little, uh, little, <laughs> lit, litter yeah. lawyers. Right. Um, I love her. That are cleaning oh, up super the city. Exactly. So, but yeah, she's awesome, and I have some big shoes to fill. Um, oh, but, but yeah, she's awesome. But she was just like, you, I, I felt great. Like, what's yeah. wrong with you, you know? Anyway, to make a long story short, mm-hmm. um, also had a very difficult birth. Wanted oh, um, to have a natural birth. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't ended up. It didn't happen. Had a lot of issues um, postpartum. Luckily, I had a really good friend in pelvic health, and I was talking to her one day about some of the stuff I was having. 
some of the issues and she's like, girl, you need to, you need to, she was in Florida. She's like, you need to find somebody in Baton Rouge to help mm-hmm. you. You got, you got some pelvic floor stuff. And I was like, oh, I did. Is, you think that's why my back and my hip hurt and leaking and. Um, I'm just going to like, I'll be, I guess I'm just disclosing a bunch of stuff, but I think a lot of women can be like, Oh, um, I can help a lot of women, but, but I was having pain with intercourse afterwards. And so I was like, is this okay? Wait, so this isn't just gonna like go away. And, um, she's like, no, you need a little help. So anyway, make a long story short, got the help. And then I became so passionate about it mm. and every woman that was <laughs> that I started to see I was like have you had pelvic floor physical <laughs> therapy before you I know should I, really do, you yeah, should do pelvic floor. like yeah, right. your hip and your back yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I can help you a little bit but you need to see a pelvic health th- so I was sending all of my patients mm. to see uh the pelvic health physical therapist and and then I just realized like i I want to do this. Yeah. I want to help women in this way. That's awesome. Um, and then just kind of furthered my education in pelvic health over the last eight years. I've been in pelvic wow. health eight years. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and so that, I, that's how it started. Right. And um, yeah. I feel so. like a lot of specialists, I'm, I think I would wager, have a very similar story to that of mm-hmm. like being in one path. Right. <laughs> and then, like finding that that one thing, you're like, oh man, I just I really enjoyed this thing, or mm-hmm. I really love helping out in this area. Because I've heard that story with some friends of mine as well. That's like, I did I did this for a while, and then after I realized I, I didn't really care for it, I, I, but then I found that one thing that I really love, and it went off into that. And they're now specialists in a certain field or whatever. Well, one so. thing you have to keep in mind when it comes to women's health care is that women get the shitty end of the stick mm-hmm. nine times out of ten I in health care. Um, you know, most medical studies are only done on men. Mm-hmm. And for, for over 50 years, only medical studies were done on men. Yes. So they don't, they don't even take into consideration differences in physiology or differences. It's like um, women tend to have more side effects from medication. They'll have mm-hmm. 90% of the side effects f- from a reported medication are found in the female population. Wow. But they make up less than a third of any study. Right. Mm-hmm. So, women are not little men. No, <laughs> but that that is yeah. the way that healthcare sees them, and and you know that's um, part of what I have done over the past ten plus years online is I've built, um, you know, my group on Facebook, uh, Weight Loss Resources with Dr. Miranda. It just empowers women mm-hmm. on how to advocate for themselves right. because a lot of the things that, you know, it's like most women are never told about pelvic health unless they luck into some little obscure practitioner that says you need to go and get X, Y, and Z done. Mm. Um, yet when you think that 50% of women over 50 are having issues with it, that's a huge percentage and nobody's being told. Right. You know, very often if women are having menopausal or perimenopausal symptoms, or let's say they leak a little when they cough mm. or they're having you know, some constipation or some sexual dysfunction or any of these types of things, they go to their doctor and they bring up those concerns and they're told, ah, it's just on your head. Here, have an antidepressant. Mm. And that's, exactly. that is kind of, that is the norm. Women's health care really sucks. Yes. And so, you know, it's like if you are not out there learning about this stuff and advocating for yourself, you know, there is, there is no doctor out there that is, has more of a vested interest in your health than you do. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to have these kind of conversations like what we're having today, because 
we have to empower ourselves with this information so mm-hmm. we know the, the questions to ask, the treatments to demand, you know, what to look for and how to advocate for ourselves. Because if nobody ever teaches you how to do that, you just don't know. Right. And then you're operating from that stance of unconscious, unco- um, unconscious incompetence where you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so it's like any time that we can have people empower women on how to have better health care. I am a huge, huge uh, proponent. I've of also that. heard like there's a lot of misconceptions about things. Like, oh, you know, the, it's, it's crazy. I I pulled up stats and, and we'll, we can get into that <laughs> I love in a that. little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jason and I usually come to the table <laughs> with statistics, yeah. but you know it's um, it is absolutely insane how poor quality women get, and a lot of the procedures, some of which cause some of these um, pelvic floor dysfunctions, you know, it's like if women go in and get a um, uh, colposcopy where, you know, they have a little bit of their cervix sampled or they have a LEAP procedure or they have an IUD inserted, Mm -hmm. it is very, very common, more common than not, to have all those procedures done. I had a, I had a bladder biopsies and I had um, uterine wall biopsies done just this year. Mm. They go in and they do it with no anesthesia. Oh, you know? Wait, I, no, wait a minute, none? None. But if none. a man came in with a wiener problem, mm. oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I you guarantee be, you better get that. What they'll tell women is that, oh, it's you only going to take five to ten minutes. Um but you know what? A vasectomy only takes five to ten minutes, but you can guarantee because someone's getting, you know, their right. um, gonads cut that they're getting and, you know, they're getting some anesthesia. Right, right. But women have a lot of procedures done uh, without anesthesia. OK, well, no, but why is that, though? That doesn't make it's, sense there's, to me. There is a gender bias in healthcare. There's a huge gender bias in health. I mean, so you're saying if, if, if go even going to a female doctor, mm-hmm. yep. they're, yes. they're not even using a female. Any, oh, even it, a female doctor. I, because she was, who was she trained by? Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, no, 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 go ahead. This is going to sound. No, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's like why my, we're here. That's why we're I, having I, this I conversation. Want, I want to hear this because I, I don't know. But let's just be real here. It's like these, these residents, these female physicians, most likely they've, you know, they were trained by a male Position. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how I, I how, heard. Even you know. even in the birth world, I heard it's kind of the same thing. It it's is like, is that doctors will kind of just mm-hmm. perpetuate what they're taught, even yeah. though it's not p- technically probably the best practice for the scenario yeah. in the birth. Like, but right. they just that's just the way they do it. Women and, are given less pain medication than men. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at control group studies, where they they look at a person and they'll say, okay, issue for issue, you know, they pure match these groups. Uh, women get something like 70% less medication, less pain oh. control than men. And, and I mean, like I, I see I mean, Jason's face. He's like just, absolutely perplexed. I, I, but just, I never right. thought everybody got yeah. the same thing. No. I mean, no, women get really, women yeah. get substandard care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, and women are diagnosed significantly later than men on average across over 700 different diseases. Um, and, some cases, women have to wait up to 10 years for the right diagnosis. So, you know, yeah, when, for when instance, you... endometriosis mm-hmm. for women yep. can take up to 10 years. They see a million doctors and it can take 10 years for them to be diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, and it could be it's such a simple, simple screen. Um, In over 700, there was a, a study that came out last year. I think it was over seven. They looked at over 700 different conditions and there was only two or three that women got diagnosed 
uh, in a shorter duration of time than men, and one of them was osteoporosis. Almost everything else, so the 700 other diagnoses, everything else, the man was diagnosed in a shorter length of time. But what's the, like, is uh, there a cause for that, or is that? Yeah, just I'm like just a, trying to. Because I, women are dismissed. When you go into your doctor, you're told head, you're emotional, it's emotional. in your head, right. um, you know, that it's not really real. Oh, you know, just live with it. Mm. Um, you know, I can remember, you know, it's like we, we all have our crotch Nazi stories. Um, <laughs> <laughs> crotch Lauren, Nazi oh, stories. Yes. Lauren, I like is, that term. Lauren is laughing because oh, yeah. she knows. I know. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> 17 yes. years old, I went yeah. to my first gynecologist. And I will say that Canadian um, physicians leave something to be desired because um, there, there is no physician of choice. You go to who you're told to go to and mm-hmm. you wait nine months in a queue to get to that doctor. And yep. they think they've got the God complex because there is no competition. But um, I, I got the, the pleasure of going to seeing this middle-aged German gynecologist and she was a crotch Nazi, you know, she was absolutely, her, my first experience, you know, she put me, she used forceps that were too big. They oh were for gosh. somebody that was, who had already given birth, not, <laughs> not somebody mm-hmm. who hadn't, yeah. not a 17 year old. Um, she berated me for being too skinny. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, she put me on birth control that was so strong that it made me go, it made my estrogen drop below that of a 55-year-old woman. So oh I was 17 gosh. going through menopause because of the crotch Nazi. Um, it was just a horrible, horrible experience. So, and, and I went out of my way to try to find a female back then. And, and I have ever since, I've tried to find female gynecologists for that reason. Mm-hmm. I figured that at least you can bond and rapport that you have the same parts. You know, I don't, I don't think a man has the same um, sympathies. Empathy <laughs> I don't know. Some of these guys today. Well, you know, I have a good urologist now um, because, you know, I've had some of these issues this past year and, you know, I've had to, uh, I've had to have um, bladder polyps removed. I had over 35 bladder polyps removed. Oh, gosh. Not fun. No. That was actually, you saw me at the hospital. I was still uh, walking yeah. around with my catheter bag when yes. Stoney had his accident. Um so, you know, and one of the things that was interesting talking to him, because he is a urogynecologist, I believe, um, he's, he focuses on the urogenital issues in women, was that these are bladder issues are much more prevalent in people that have inflammatory bowel disease because they're going to the bathroom and they're pushing all day long, which begot a conversation, you know, between us. I was like, well, what's everybody doing now that they're going to the bathroom and they're sitting playing on their phone for half an hour? They're creating mm-hmm. a huge amount huge of issues. Problem. Yep. Yes, absolutely. So, but, um, but yeah, to, to get back, women in general get very, very um, substandard, substandard care. And we have we have a long way to go to I mean, just to even hit yeah. equality. So, uh, well, then I mean, so what's the I mean, how do you how do you fix? So there's going to be more. Cl- so in essence, you need to have more clinical trials with just women to kind of build up a, a database of of um, knowledge. I mean, I, I don't. Well, want to- the problem is, is that. On average, again, it takes, what, eight years for the research, the current research to, you know, get to the physicians. And But even when it does get mm-hmm. to the, you know, they're going to do what's comfortable. They're humans. They're going to do they're what they're... Humans. Yeah, they're humans. They're, they're going to do what's comfortable. Um, or the way that healthcare things. is going now, 
in trying to be PC. <laughs> um, the way that things are going now in healthcare, you know, women are seen what five minutes. Um, you know, at their the primary doctor care. has less than seven minutes to see a patient. Seven minutes, right? So, you know, there's an expression in the field for it. You've right. got you've got seven minutes, and often several of those minutes are taken up by your assistant that comes in and does their height and their weight and their blood pressure and everything else. So you can come in and you can hit the ground running. Um, doctors, they only want to hear about one complaint. Your, you know, your chief complaint when you come in, you can't really come in with a laundry list, and they're used to kind of steamrolling you to get. You know, you know, to go through the OPPQRST mm-hmm. and, yep. and d- decide check, exactly, check, check. do their little checklist so you can get out because they can only bill so much for insurance, too. So they can't spend 30 minutes sitting with you going over all your issues, um, you know, and it, it's, it's created a real dichotomy within healthcare. Um, you know, one of the studies I found uh, was a Canadian study, and it said that the odds of a surgeon recommending knee replacement for osteoarthritis was 22 times higher in a standardized male patient compared to an identically standardized female patient. 22 times. Hmm. That is... Wow. That is just, okay. you know... <laughs> when, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't... You know, this is stuff I wouldn't know. I mean, yeah. it's... It's scary. You that's, know, it's that's, like... But you, I do have a mother and a sister, so... You have a I mean, mom and a sister? I mean, it's... And, you know, if we keep plugging you on the show, you, you know, you get a significant other, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, but it is pertinent yeah. to everybody because, you know, like I said, if you don't advocate for yourself, um, nobody's going to advocate for you. And so you have to kind of know this stuff going in that the doctor is going to try to dismiss you and you're going to have to say, no, this isn't normal. I know my body and, you know, we need to do advanced testing. We need to, you know, we need to look at what therapies are out there. Because women tend to get um, dismissed, and that is far too common, and it's far too sad. That's that's a shame. I, I'm I'm sorry. That's that's horrible. I mean, my mother and sister have never complained about their doctors but, uh, in I in the way of yeah. kind of yeah. like. <laughs> I they, mean, she might just not have told you because eighty four percent of women. Um, report that they were treated differently by doctors because of their sex. Hmm. Wow. I'm about to ask him that now that it's on my brain mm. next time I <laughs> said, tell me about your last doctor visit. <laughs> you know, they go to more doctors than, than I do, so it's a little bit different. But uh, I, I want to ask you, uh, Lauren, a question here. What are some of the biggest myths surrounding pelvic floor therapy? therapy? What, what What's... Kind of yeah. supposedly set out there, but yeah. eh, it's kind of maybe not necessarily true or whatever. Yeah. Well, I just, I think, I guess a lot of people think, um, you know, pelvic floor physical therapy is all about like Kegels, you know, which is just these set of exercises where you're contracting your pelvic floor muscles. Um, and so anytime there's any incontinence or you know, I guess doctors, they're just very unaware, but, um, uh, you know, they just give women this, oh, you're, you know, you're incontinent. Oh, do Kegels. Oh, you're, um, having pain with sex. Oh, do Kegels, you know? And actually it I'd like say a <laughs> it's a write off. Yeah. It's a blank, like, oh, just, you know, you got to do your Kegels. Um, but what it's like it, when they tell 
women that are struggling with their weight just to eat less. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Eat less and exercise what a good more. Analogy. Yes. Because you know what? It's <laughs> like if it was a matter of eating less and exercising more, everybody would be right, relatively right, right. the ideal weight. Right. But you know, it's, it's just like it's easy <clears throat> to tell a person uh-huh. it's your fault. It's you know, it's your fault right. because you're are not you doing, doing your kegels. kegels? It's right. your fault because you know you right. you're eating too much, as opposed to most women that have weight issues mm. have an underlying hormonal imbalance right. which probably could be said for most people with pelvic floor dysfunction yeah, too there's have a some level of hormonal component exactly there's mm. definitely a hormonal thing but what i was about to say is that i would say like 80 percent of the patients that i see actually need to not do kegels mm. um their pelvic floor ha- there's a lot of tension there mm, yeah so tensing's not gonna help. tensing more <laughs> is not gonna help All with right. pain with sex constipation um, urinary urgency, frequency, endometriosis, like there's, it's going to actually make things worse. Wow. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm on like an anti-Kegel. There's a time and place for Kegels. Like, right. don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's not the one trick. Fits. This isn't right. <laughs> like, I think that a lot of women think like, Oh, why do I need pelvic floor physical therapy? I'll just do Kegels at home. I'll just get a device. And I can do my Kegels at home, but it's so much more than that. Like your pelvic floor works with so many other muscles in your body. And so you really need like a thorough assessment of everything. 95% of women with low back pain have a pelvic floor dysfunction. Wow. So statistic, holy cow, 95% (laughs) That's (laughs) have a pelvic floor dysfunction. So, you know... So we need to be doing spinal assessments, looking at the pelvis, looking at the hips, looking at the muscles. Are your muscles relaxing? Are they not relaxing? Is it a nerve involvement? You know, but we're just giving this like blanket, like, oh, do your kegels. That'll solve it's urinary incontinence and it, pain. And <laughs> It's interesting to hear. Um, I, I, I'm I, between Jason and I, I don't think we've heard um many stories about these horror stories from women no, in the in the hospitals like in the doctor's offices and things like that but it's interesting to hear that they that that may not be something that men i think see in the doctor's office but one thing that i have ha- i've heard and have had like firsthand experience with people with is that it may not happen in the doctor's offices but like the mental health in men is is one of those areas that we get written off a lot in that i've noticed personally is the like mm-hmm. oh is that it's it's treated with the same kind of thing of like it's fine you just go out for a brisk walk and drink more water or whatever and it's like right, I, yeah. no i think that there's something psychologically uh really deeper than that that i think gets written off a lot so it's and it, but but i think that we are getting to a place where that is i think talked about more and i think that that is what this episode, I think, is kind of doing in that aspect too, as well as like we're opening up a conversation. Let's let's make it normal to talk about the fact that like I don't think it's right to just be written off with just a, a one one fix all. I, I think there's something well, else at play well, here. A lot of times, it's just an effort just to get men to actually go to a doctor. Like hey, you're right, you this know. So you know, there's a lot of men. I, I know several people who never go to a doctor. Well, over eighty percent right. I mean, of healthcare. Um, appointments are driven by the female head of the household. Mm-hmm. So men will usually only ever call up and make a doctor's appointment <laughs> themselves I'm if guilty. it affects their work game, their play game, 
or their sexual game. And if it doesn't affect one of those three things, men don't go. Right. So it's like they'll go home and they'll gripe to their wife and they'll be like, well, I'll just make you an appointment. No, 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 no. I'll be better next week. <laughs> no, 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 but that's, so. th- those are kind of the, the, the three categories. Um, when you were talking about the 95%, I thought that was interesting because I am a vitamin person. Uh, my specialty is nutrition. And one of the things that we run into very, very often is over 90% of people with low back pain also have chronic vitamin D deficiency. So it would be very interesting to see a study that correlates pelvic floor dysfunction and vitamin D deficiency because it sounds like the two might go hand in hand. I was going to ask that. that. Correlation is not causation, but that is a big enough coincidence that somebody should be looking into that. Yeah. Interesting. I was going to ask the same sort of thing. Is like, is there, is there a soul, is there a, a, a few, Things that that ca- that cause a pelvic floor issue, or is it just kind yeah. of a? Uh, uh, there's a lot. Well, I, I can imagine. But. <laughs> well, let's just talk first. Let's talk about the emotional. Okay. Part, okay. Right. Okay. That a lot of people don't know about is that your pelvic floor muscles um, are are um, a, they respond to stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So your upper traps, like you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I I'm got tense, a lot of stress. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm stressed because. Of I'm having neck pain, shoulder pain, yeah. right? Um, but your pelvic floor muscles are another set of muscles that um, that that respond to stress and anxiety. So when women are under stress and anxious, their muscles down there tense up, and you know we're going to be stressed, right? That's right. just <laughs> a That's part life. of life. That is it's life, life right? Um, but when we're in chronic stress every single day or we've had trauma, <laughs> unresolved trauma, mm-hmm. um, then then these pelvic floor muscles stay tense, tense and tight. And then this can create low back pain, pelvic pain mm-hmm. and all that, you know, the the bowel, bladder and sexual right. um, dysfunction. Um, so from, you know. From a nervous system standpoint, <laughs> when your nervous system is really upregulated um, because of trauma, your emotions, um, you can you can have tense tight pelvic floor muscles, right, right. Um, or you could have a physical trauma like <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a a, a birth. Yeah. Well, or yeah, a crash. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just go into that. Um, I've seen women that have had. Um, car accidents and had pelvic fractures. Oh gosh. Right? Yeah. So like pelvic fractures, femur fractures. And that affects your pelvic floor because your pelvic floor muscles attach to your hip. Mm-hmm. Um so there could be a phys- right. Mm-hmm. So well, physical you don't trauma think to your pelvis. Your pelvis or- do you think of your pelvis as this like little, you know, this little bowl <laughs> that <laughs> nothing moves. <laughs> right. But it, it's very it dynamic. Moves. Right. Yeah. And, but yeah. people don't think it is. They, right. People look at the little Halloween skeleton and they think, oh, it's just yeah. like it's fixed and it doesn't move. And, <laughs> right. you know, but that's not the way it is in real life. <laughs> no, it's not. So, right. So it could be like in childbirth, right? Mm-hmm. Or just being pregnant. Those muscles are supporting your, your baby. Yeah. <laughs> so they're getting strained a lot. Um, so, yeah. Um, another thing that your a lot of people don't know is that your diaphragm and your abdominal muscles work with your pelvic floor muscles. So if you have some type of diaphragm issue, right, your diaphragm isn't functioning well, or I'd say like 90% of women do this, Uh um, 
hold their belly button towards their spine, like they're sucking in. Mm. So really? there's yeah. So women, I know we do this, Jason. <laughs> you don't know this, don't be but we t- t- so that we can look thin, especially if we're in a nice dress, mm-hmm. we might like suck in a little bit. If we tighten our abdominal muscles, our pelvic floor muscles tends to tighten up. Which really? again, if you're just doing that every once in a while, it's fine. But women that are chronically you trying, know, to, make trying to make themselves look thin by holding their belly button towards their spine and sucking sucking in is mm. what we call right, quote unquote, sucking yeah. in, yeah, sucking in, then that's going to affect your pelvic floor. Wow! Or constantly squeezing your butt muscles, mm-hmm. your glutes, like that'll cause a pelvic floor dysfunction. So any overuse of these, you know, your hip muscles. So running can yeah. cause pelvic Uh-oh. floor dysfunction, especially getting if... <laughs> I'm getting yeah. called out. Sometimes I mean. they're just the victim because yeah. like maybe your other muscles in your body, like your glutes aren't recruiting very well. Mm-hmm. So then your pelvic floor is like, oh, well, I'll help out. Mm-hmm. And they help out and they keep helping out and right. helping out and helping. And so they get overworked. Interesting. Yeah. Men tend to have it after prostate surgery. Yes. So, you know, women tend to have it, you know, like I said, after childbirth, mm-hmm. if you have uh, a hysterectomy, you know, if you're taking something out of that area, you're creating mm-hmm. a void. Right. So nice. whether you're taking out a prostate, whether you're taking out a uterus, whether, you, you know, if you're taking something out, you create mm-hmm. a void and something has to fall down to That's fill right. that void. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, I have a question uh-huh. for you um, because I am a huge advocate that insulin resistance in all of its capacities causes a lot of problems in modern yes. society. Um, well, how, how do you feel that BMI... And I know BMI is a whole other kettle of because I don't I, I think that BMI is, yeah. a, is a faulty measurement, right. but it's a polite way to say that people are heavier than what they yeah. probably should be. Um, how, how do you feel that that weight will say is I know it's a modifiable risk in pelvic floor therapy, yeah. but it also aggravates pelvic floor disorders. So ha- how, how does that fit in with what you're doing? It can. I mean, um you know, it's physics. So, you know, the more um, body weight you have, then yeah, the more weight and stress and strain is being placed on your muscles, your joints, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, but do I see, is there a direct correlation? You know, like, I see a lot of women that are, um, or I've worked with women in the past that were, um, had a higher BMI, but didn't have a pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's also about, this is a pressure system. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And if you can manage your pressure really well, you could be, have a high BMI, um, and manage that pressure really well. um, And you're, 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 you could have a functioning pelvic floor, right? Mm -hmm. It might, might, might not become dysfunctional. Functional. Do you find that women that already have that pelvic floor dysfunction, if they lose some weight, does that take some of the pressure off the system so it helps to alleviate or lessen some of their symptoms? No, because it's the same in pregnancy. Like you would think that, okay, the baby comes out, right? So it was creating all this pressure and then the baby comes out. Right. But now the body's like, oh, well, wait, hold on. H- how do I... How do I manage all this pressure um, or the lack of pressure Mm -hmm. here? Um, So not necessarily. Um, It's, you know, it's 
I read about that being a point of contention in your profession. So, well, <laughs> yeah, the pressure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like it goes it's hand just, in hand. Yeah, it, it, it just, would yeah. seem like it, but um, that's not like clinically, um, like what I'm, what I'm seeing. Right, you right. know. Um, Interesting. So, do you tend to rely more on um, behavioral techniques and PT, or what? How how are you treating people in your clinic? Right. So, so again, it's I'm looking at the whole person. Um, so we start with their stress levels, right? We can do all the stretches or maybe we're doing all the kegels, all the exercises. But if your stress is high and you're in chronic stress, again, what happens to pelvic floor? Right. Right. So we can keep. All right. Fine. We'll keep doing these exercises, but you're not going to get very far. <laughs> so first, I want to know. I want to know about your stress levels. Um, I work with the nervous system and I help women downregulate their nervous system. Um, their vagal nerve, you probably know a lot about the vagus nerve. So I work a lot with the vagal nerve. Um, and then to, to help calm down their nervous system, which then can help chill out their pelvic floor. Um, so working with the nervous system, um, again, looking at the spine, if there's a spinal dysfunction, sometimes, like I mentioned, that can cause pelvic floor dysfunction. I'm looking at their diaphragm. Again, remember, mm -hmm. diaphragm, abdominals, pelvic floor, they all work together. So I'm doing an assessment there. Like, is your, are, are you breathing? <laughs> I mean, we're all breathing. Right, right. We're all breathing. But can you take these shallow big, breathers out exactly, there. Yes. shallow breathing, or can you get big, deep breaths? Um, using your diaphragm, you know, what about your abdomen? Can you let go sister? Oh, right, right. Can't, you gotta <laughs> let go up. of your abdomen. We can't keep sucking. In. How well can you do that? I feel like I'm just um, trying to look good. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I don't blame her. I get it. Like I, I've been there. So it was help. safe space. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I get you sis. I right, get right. you, but this is not helping your pelvic floor. Right, right. Um, and then seeing how your pelvic floor muscles, your diaphragm and your abdominals are all coordinating because right. sometimes there's a discoordination, right? So it's like you can Kegel, but your diaphragm and your abdominals mm -hmm. and your pelvic function. So I'm looking at that. Um, I will do an internal exam. So it's mm. not the same as when you go to the gynecologist and, you know, your butt's hanging off the edge of the table. <laughs> Miranda knows. You know, the boys are like, what? I don't, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, no, no, no. no y'all do not know anything about that. <laughs> but see, you um, know what? If men had to go through it, they would have oh, invented a better way. A way. <laughs> way better. Um, with the, yeah, I don't have the stirrups those, those and speculum. Yeah. And I don't yeah. have any of that. Like, again, I'm just want to feel your muscles. Like, I want right. to know what's happening. You know, is it painful when I touch these muscles? Right. Can you contract? Can you relax? Like, that's the kind of information that I'm getting. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have ultrasound technology, so I'm able to see the pelvic floor muscles the and the abdominal muscles contract and relax. So sometimes I'll use that. So, you know, there's a lot of women that have had sexual trauma, physical mm. trauma down there. And I respect and honor that. And I'm not going to do an internal exam on somebody that um, that that's had that kind of trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll. I can use the the ultrasound to to take a look at how everything's coordinating, right. functioning. Um, so that's yeah, crazy. I guess that's ultrasound. kind of 
Yeah. So that's just kind of like a typical exam. <laughs> um, and then, of course, it's different. Like I told you about my birth prep program. So like I want to see like how Ooh. you push. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> like how are yeah. you pushing, sister? Like, ooh. That's not that's not a good, efficient, effective way. Right. It's better to push. figure it out now than yes. whenever you're in the moment. That's and you're like, right. I can't An do this. An hour into it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah. Talked to a mom this morning. Her her physician, uh, she mentioned to her OBGYN, she's like, when she was pregnant, hey, I heard something about pelvic floor therapy. Like, <laughs> should I get that? And she said, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that does sound like something that would be great after pregnancy so she called me and she's like yeah I just want to set something up postpartum and I said but what about right now mm-hmm. and she goes well what would what would we do right now and I <laughs> said like a well lot. <laughs> a lot we're going to prevent you yeah. from having to come see me mm-hmm. yeah. postpartum how right. about that um, anyway she came to see me she didn't even think she was going to have a natural <laughs> birth that wasn't even in her plan but um, you converted her. I converted her. <laughs> she had a natural birth. I, I talked it. to her today, and she was just like, "I can't believe I did it. I That's can't awesome. believe it." Ah, you know, um, the recovery. She's like, "I didn't tear. I'm walking around. Like, I feel yeah. great. This is amazing." I've heard a lot of stories like that. That's like yeah. it's a, it's kind of a it's a miracle what uh, what a, a woman's miracle. body can do. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is. Yeah. It is. Especially with especially with the proper people in your care that can really make sure that you are taking care of every step of the process. That's right. one thing I've heard n- numerous stories. Again, like I said, I know a, a lot about this stuff secondhand from my fiance, but yeah. it, but it's like I've heard a lot about that. It's like it, if you have people that will prepare you properly for the situation that you're going to be going into. Right. 9 times out of 10 you're going to probably be yeah, well, talk about it like a marathon right. or a half marathon, right? Not a full marathon. No, not a full no. marathon, but even a half marathon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But like, can you do a half marathon without very much training? No, I mean, you can't. I mean, you could do it. It might take you a really long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? You could uh, run walk that. You, you, uh, well, depends on well. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be try. painful. You can right? on how well you're conditioned. <laughs> how well conditioned you are prior to. So if say you were a runner and have been training, you know, on a regular basis, and then all of a sudden maybe you got to stop for a couple months. Mm -hmm. If you got to jump in and do that half, you're going to feel it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you do it? Can you do it? Yes, you can do it. Mm -hmm. But Right, you're gonna it, it's, you're gonna regret it. You're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> right. be like but after the first it, mile or two, like oh, okay, yeah, I definitely <laughs> see a difference here. Right, so. exactly. So that's kind of how I talk about birth, right? right? Especially a natural birth, but even medicated births. Okay, right, right. Is that it's kind of like a it's like a marathon. It's a physical if activity. If you <laughs> get some preparation and some education, and you have like a pacer, even, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's so the helpful. With the yeah, exactly. your support system. You got a good support system. Um, then you know things might go a lot smoother, right? Mm-hmm. I can't make any guarantees, of course, to patients, right? Just like a marathon, expect. you could sprain your, you know, right. you could right. train, you could do mm-hmm. all the training and like all the preparation and make sure you're super strong and everything's great. But you could spring your, yeah. yeah. Like things could thing, happen, the, right? The thing is also, is that everybody, everybody has, a, if there's one thing I know is that everybody's different. We're all very similar, but we're all different. <laughs> right. So even though we everything may be okay, sometimes mm-hmm. there are conditions that pop up or something. There right. are things that happen that, that warrant, mm-hmm. yeah, out of your control, that warrant things to be changed. But mm-hmm. for the most part, again, 
surprise, surprise, a little well, bit. See, of, Ian, a, I didn't <laughs> realize you were, you know, I didn't realize you were kind of more aware of all this stuff. I mean, not, not all of it, but like I said, because it is a, if, uh, not only is it a career path, but it is a passion of someone that I care very <laughs> deeply about. Obviously, you know, we I talk about my day from work and she talks about her day from work and things that go on and, you know, and so it's interesting because, again, I'm also a pretty curious person, so she's interested in this. And so I ask all the questions like, well, well how does that work? Or why, mm-hmm. why, do, why do doctors have to do it this way or right. whatever? And she's like, well, it's just the way it's, it's the way they fucking it. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or whatever. <laughs> and it, so there's been numerous conversations where I, I feel mm-hmm. like we've had a very similar conversation yeah. to this. Is like <clears throat> there's a lot of misconceptions about natural birth and that whole world and everything that goes, or you know, because of the fact that it's a quote-unquote little taboo to certain doctors and people, but with the right care and the right people and the right team behind you, they can really make sure that they have your well-being as well as the babies in mind. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of well, magic can happen. Yeah. <laughs> so... Birth process is, um, I would say it's something that's in flux in this country <laughs> right now. Um, you know, I had, I had my kids, you know, I started in the year 2000 and I ended in 2010. Um, and I had two natural births where I, you know, I did it completely au natural with, yeah. without so much as a Tylenol. And then I had two emergency C-sections. Ooh, yikes. So I was at both ends yes. of the spectrum <laughs> as yeah. far as the birth experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my, my two natural ones were with midwives, um, you know, and wow. like I said, the other ones were as, mu- as much innovation as you can have. Intervention. Um, and, and I will say that, you know, it's it's definitely you go into the hospital and you kind of get steamrolled. You know, I, I've you, heard. you really you yes. really do. You're just like you're told, oh, we're putting in a cath. Oh, I don't want a cath. Well, it's our policy. Well, is it really your policy mm-hmm. or are you just being lazy? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, because it's just like I, I, I can manage to use uh, give you a clean catch. You yeah. know, you, you don't yeah. need to do a cath. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of things that they'll say that they need to do just because that's the way they've always we've done, done them. Of course. And so when you go in with a birth plan saying, look, at you know, and just like even with what Lauren was saying, if you're doing some training beforehand so you know what to expect, that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. Because most women go into the hospital to give birth and they don't know what the heck is going to happen uh, next. Yeah. And heard they heard have well. nobody advocating for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very, very fortunate. Um, one of my, I was in chiropractic school when I had my first two kids. And the girl that sat behind me was a labor, labor and delivery nurse. Wow. And she was a spitfire. <laughs> um, Susan, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but she actually, you know, I called her when I went into labor and she met us at the hospital. And it was not her hospital, but she took over the labor and delivery room. And, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> awesome. And I'm one of those people that have the world's fastest labors. You know, my first one um, from my first contraction to when Cole oh was born Uh-oh. was two hours. <laughs> and um, when when I had Katya, that was 90 minutes from first go. contraction. So you don't have a whole lot of time to transition. So th- things get kind of um, abused. Mm. But, um, you know, it's the whole process is just traumatic. And mm-hmm. I don't care where you are in the United States, there is very, very few women that have a happy birth experience right. in yes. some way, in some regard. It, it is just, it is not the high point of your life. You know, you're happy to see your kid, but um, that whole birth experience is traumatic. Yes. Um, it is undignified. You know, you are poked and prodded in all the worst ways. Um, you are told to hurry up. You are told to stop push. You know, it's just like there's a lot of stuff that are, is put on you that really shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And then you're dealing with doctors that at a shift change that want to go home. 
or, you know, it's, it's Friday night and (laughs) it's seven o'clock and they're out of there. So, um, you know, you, you end up, I I will tell, I will, I hope my mother doesn't kill me. Mm -mm. Um, when, (laughs) when she had, when she had me, um, I think the doctor came in off the golf course or, you know, oh, it, it interrupted his day. Uh, he ended up sewing her placenta to her when he was stitching well, her okay. up. Come back oh. now. Say that yes. again. Yes. Yeah, Jason's so like, slow down. Slow down a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going yes. to say that one more time. Yes. Say that again. Because it was <laughs> routine to give women episiotomies up until relatively very recently. Okay. And a lot of women still are given episiotomies. Where Jason, they do you take... know what that means? Oh, okay. Yes. You're about to explain <laughs> that. Yeah, you got to back up. Go back to what your mother, kind of read. Retail the story. I missed. I missed. I missed no, a part no, of you, this. You you did not miss anything. Yeah. He was in a hurry, and so instead of waiting for the placenta to be delivered, right, mm-hmm. he stitched it to her. He stitched it mm-hmm. when he was stitching her up. He he stitched yeah. that placenta into place. Yes. Yikes. So she had to get unstitched and have the placenta right, delivered. Because that's, that's a, yes. a natural part that's supposed mm-hmm. to. Right, yeah. that normally yeah, yeah. comes out. It's, yeah. it's supposed to come out. Yes. Right. So having but, it linger in there still mm-hmm. like is not a no. <laughs> not a pleasant experience. No. But you know what? You talk to any woman, they all have a birth horror story. Yes. They of all, if it ha- yes. wasn't them, it was someone in their immediate circle. Right. And so you know that's a lot of trauma. I mean, when we were talking about these fifty percent numbers of women with mm-hmm. pelvic floor no. issues. Yes. <laughs> so so how how I mean how many women? I mean the, the this whole pelvic floor. Arena, how aware? I mean, how many people? I mean, is it something that's kind of like out there where people are aware of it? it is it something it, that's circulated, like, or is it just? It is now. I'd say like it's like it's Ebola. really grown. You, you know about it, but, but you don't know about it, <laughs> right? Well, I think, and I, I can't remember, but I was just at a public health conference, and they were talking about. Um, they were talking about this, like how well known in the social media that's really highlighted pelvic floor dysfunction. I mean, that's the one blessing of mm-hmm. social media. Oh, I mean, yeah. they were, <laughs> they were, I think they did, like, it was like a survey on women, like before social media, like yeah. how well did you know about pelvic floor yeah. <laughs> dysfunction versus <laughs> no? Um, anyway, but it, it was up by like 300% or something like that. Right, I don't right. know. It was crazy. I wasn't. I think but, there's still confusion around it because women yes. will think, okay, well, I leak when I sneeze um, or normal. I cough. That's normal. Or, right. okay, well, maybe maybe I have a little bit of damage because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaking when I sneeze. But they don't realize that their chronic constipation is also mm-hmm. pelvic floor dysfunction. Yes. They just right, think, right, oh, right. I'm constipated. Yeah. It's normal for me to have a bowel movement once, once every seven days. Right. And like, how many yeah. times do you run into that? <laughs> oh, no, like you laugh. Uh, I, I, you I, laugh. I, 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 we I, we I, run yeah. into that on the daily. I'm, on I'm, the I'm daily. Laughing right. just out of sheer. Uh, and they'll go to their surprise. doctor, and their doctor will just say, oh, well, you need to take some magnesium citrate. And. They're never told. Is that the stuff they give else. you when you do your colonoscopy? It, it can be. It can be. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that yeah, on yeah, steroids, yeah. you right. know. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And even when I talk to moms and they're coming in for a bladder issue, mm-hmm. and then I said, "Well, let's talk poop." <laughs> you know, yeah. nobody wants to While talk. While we're shit. here, nobody wants to talk poop. But um, yeah, but they're like, "Oh, I'm oh, I'm fine. I go every day. I'm regular." Mm-hmm. I'm like, but. But what what does it look uh, yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know you yeah, know, right, right, right. But are you, is it like little rabbit, mm-hmm. little rabbit? And like, oh yeah, but that's normal for me. I'm like, 
yes, it's normal for you, yeah, but that's not. But normal. it's not normal, <laughs> and you're very you're constipated. Yeah, you know. And then I'm also able to see that on my ultrasound, like. Yes. Yeah. What most um, what most people don't realize when it comes to poop, and I have plenty of poop conversations. Yeah. <laughs> I love talking poop. Is, is that you know if you are cons- if you are a person consuming a normal caloric intake of a diet, mm-hmm. um, you should have approximately one inch by sixteen inches of stool a day. Wow. So Your forearm. Yeah. So it's like if you if you are not having you know if you're having a one inch round stool and mm-hmm. it's not you're not mm-hmm. having sixteen inches of it right. over the course of the day whether that's two eight inch stools mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. You, or you know or uh, an eight inch stool and yeah, two yeah. five inch <laughs> stools yeah. Yeah. You know, however you want to however you want to break it down if you're not having at least sixteen inches of stool a day um, you're constipated and a lot of people think oh well you know. I go once a day, but if if you go mm-hmm. once a day and you're having a little oh, three inch or the, the, vol- yeah, yeah, the, the nuggets, yeah, the volume, volume. Right. Right. So everybody look that. at your forearm right yeah. now. <laughs> that's what that's how I've long. I've been told before is that it's not about uh, quantity; it's all that's about right. quality. Quality, exactly. <laughs> and I was, like, and I was yep. like, okay, when it comes to this discussion right. specifically, well, and yeah. I was like, okay, makes sense. Well, you know, we're talking about this awareness, I I, I found this study um, and how much is how much do women really know about pelvic floor physical therapy? And I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff, but uh, this was presented at a conference last year. They say 68% of Caucasian women, 50% of black women, and 47% of Hispanic women were familiar with the term pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. However, 35% of white women, 19% of black women, and 33% of Hispanic women were familiar with pelvic floor physical therapy team at the hospital. So I don't know if there seems to be a... Wow. I don't know what the deal is with that. And an overwhelming majority of white women knew about Kegel exercises, 91% compared to 76% black women and 73% Hispanic women. However, only 26% of white women were familiar with pelvic exercises other than Kegel. Is right. that as compared to 40% to Hispanic women and 20% to black? Have you found that kind of, I mean, in your practice? I mean, yeah. these kind of breakdowns? Yeah, I would say, I would say I feel so. Like, I feel like Kegel is like, a, even I know yeah. about what that is. Like right. it, it's, it feels like it's a, t- it's a popular term or yeah. it's, it's been talked about before. Right. But I mean, even in my own, if I, if you use me as a use case, I don't think I know any other pelvic floor exercises personally. So, I mean, that's... Uh, well, that, everyone's right. getting yoni eggs for Christmas. No. <laughs> <laughs> you get a yoni egg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I'll pass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it just says, the inve- basically, at the conclusion, basically, yeah. that the knowledge of... of uh, pelvic floor physical therapy remains relatively low regardless mm-hmm. of race and education right. levels. So I, wow. I there's, there's must that, not be out there as much yeah, as it should be. I think part of that has to deal with socioeconomic status and insurance levels. Yeah. Because yeah. the better your insurance, the more apt you are likely to be told about pelvic floor therapy. Right. If you have, let's say you're on Medicare or you have, you know, a, an inferior insurance product, you are le- because you have to be churned and burned out of that office so much quicker, mm-hmm. right. you are less likely to have someone take the time um, or make the referral that that you need to get pelvic floor therapy. Right. I agree. 100% with that. Wow. 
crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, you, you, you bring these topics up. I had no idea what any of this yeah, stuff yeah. was. I mean, you know, oh, I've I got learned about a lot. seven pages on all these things <laughs> well, about women's health care. Yeah, it just like, brings me so much joy because <laughs> I love, like, how you have all these statistics and how mm-hmm. you're super passionate about women's health, too, because... Well, just... a lot of the people that found me found me because of gallbladder issues. Uh-huh. And, you know, it was one of those things that I had I had done an appearance on a radio show actually when I was pregnant with my youngest child. And um, it, it kind of I kept my transcript from that radio show. Uh, it was on the bariatric radio um, station that someone had interviewed me for that. And, um, you know, and I, I spoke about gallbladder issues because. One, I have inflammatory bowel disease, and I've always talked about inflammatory bowel disease and, uh, you know, a lot of just bowel health issues. That, that is one of my passions. And um, one day on my blog, I put up my transcript about my gallbladder stuff, and um, it took off, and it went viral. And, you know, I was getting over 700 hits a day just on my gallbladder post for years like just awesome. years. It was, it was crazy. Um, and that drove most of the people that follow me on Facebook found me because of gallbladder stuff. And that kind of got me down the path on, you know, when you look at, you know, 75% of the people that have gallbladder surgery are women, but, um, they take on average something like 20 minutes longer to do a man's gallbladder surgery than a woman's. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Are they doing a substandard job on the women? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, it, it's, you start yeah. getting questions. Yeah. You know, I have questions. Um, and then that got me down on this whole, down the rabbit um, hole on all of these issues about women's health and how women get substandard care on so many, like, women can have DNCs with no, no pain med. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's insane. When you start doing the deep dive on women's health care, um, you know, it's just like women have hysterectomies, which is major surgery, and they're only given 72 hours of pain control. A man can walk into his family doctor and say, you know what, I pulled my back this weekend, and they'll be given a week's worth of medication, and no one will bat an eye. But a woman will have major surgery and be given 72 hours of meds. Mm-hmm. And nobody tells her that, you know, she's going to have issues with her bladder and her right. bowel and, and right. all this kind of stuff after. Like, right. I know in my group... Very few women have, were ever told that their hysterectomy would lead to pelvic floor dysfunction. Right. And most people have it from having a hysterectomy. Right. And there's lots of women getting hysterectomies because of pelvic pain mm-hmm. and are still having pelvic pain after hysterectomy. Yeah. And now, you know, also have bladder prolapse and other issues. Oh but gosh. this was never, this was never something that the physician what can you do for bladder and bowel prolapse because that Mm -hmm. is a increasingly common issue for people it is so i mean going back to poop (laughs) (laughs) if we're pushing it all comes back (laughs) to a bunch of shit Uh, there you go can i say that um but yeah no but seriously Mm -hmm. seriously you know i think a lot of women so statistics Mm. 50% of women that um, have a prolapse surgery fail the prolapse surgery 50 that's a huge percentage that's a huge percentage okay and it's like well but why why is this happening well because why were they getting prolapse 
in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that it's a pressure issue, right? So this is a pressure system. Mm-hmm. I have two valves, one here and one down here. <laughs> if I'm constantly closing my mouth <laughs> and I'm bearing <laughs> down, where's the pressure going to go, right? It's not going to escape this valve. It's right. only got <laughs> one go valve down, down yeah. below. Um, and so women are having poo-poo babies every single day, right? Like mm-hmm. we think, you know, of prolapse being, oh, because I pushed a baby out. Yeah, but it could, you know, yeah, that is one well, now Common they're having if you're half hour pushing. bowel movements. But if you're having, time yeah, on the, on it, the... right, right time on the toilet, looking at things and bearing down and pushing. Um, yeah, that's that can. So do you like squatty potties? Love <laughs> a squatty potty. Um, definitely love a squatty potty. Promotes squatty potties <laughs> all the time. We should what, all what, be. Uh, what other equipment can people get at home that can maybe facilitate oh, better? Fl- a flip Better. a trash can over, you okay. know, like um, oh, okay. you're, if you're like traveling, you know, put that, um, put your luggage underneath your feet. You know, if you're somewhere that get yeah, right, because a lot of people are like, oh, but when, when I travel, I can't just travel with a squatty potty. You have luggage, put that underneath your feet um, because this is that opens up. Um, your rectum and helps allows relax the pelvic floor. And it's actually how we're supposed to poop where our knees um, are, are higher than our hips. It's how mm. they like do it in China. Right, right. I'm very glad um, that having um, inflammatory bowel disease, I'm yeah. very glad that we don't have those kind of toilets here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very messy. Uh, very messy. Very <laughs> yucky. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how that evolved. Well, a hole in the ground. People pooped over well, a hole yeah, in the ground. You know, back yeah. in the old days, yeah. it was, but then, it was who the, invented the, the toilet? Yeah. yeah, and they jacked well, it up. The, Ro- the Romans had toilets, you know, right. but it was right. just, they were li- it was lower. like, it was a group activity mm-hmm. and everybody was in a row and they shared mm-hmm. a sponge on a stick to wipe with. Mm-hmm. So all I must say is they must have had a lot more fiber in their diet if they yes. were all just sharing <laughs> one sponge. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. Well, let's all but, get together and <laughs> go hang out and go take, take a crap. But that's, <laughs> that's how it was done. done. Yeah. Yeah. No shame. No, no shame. shame. No. There. Yeah. So, yeah, love a squatty potty. Um, and like Is I said, there other things that you tell people to do at home? To have a better bowel movement? No, just in general to help protect their uh, pelvic floor? Well, yes. So you can, like, I definitely tell women that have just had a baby. But, like, using toilet paper and splinting your pelvic floor while you're having a bowel movement or peeing. Um, to protect your pelvic floor, just like holding the holding that sling of muscles um, can be super helpful. Blowing out. So I tell them to blow like they're blowing kids' bubbles. Okay. Right? So you have to like purse your lips and go, so that's better than... You can't yeah. see so me. You people right, 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 right. people in their car can't hear me. See me, but like... Bearing down and turning red. You, you know, all, you almost want to give everybody a kazoo to blow while yes. they're on the toilet. Because yes. then they could be entertaining themselves with musical accompaniment yes. to going. And That's then right. it would be so annoying that they would try to get it done quickly and uh-huh. not hang out there for out too there. long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so don't bring your phone in the bathroom, blow bubbles, <laughs> put your feet up on a stool. It could if be it's your been more than stool. five minutes, get up, get and, up exactly. and leave and then come if back again when the pressure tells you to. Exactly. Exactly. Do not stay there longer than five minutes. Um, yeah. And honor the urge. Yes. Period. Wow. Honor the urge is what I tell my moms that 
you know, as women, we put ourselves last and we're taking care of kids and we're trying to get out of the door and blah, 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 blah. And we might have had a feeling and we'll, and we'll tell ourselves, I'll go later. I'll mm. go later. Yeah, you got to go down. You, ha- you get your butt to the toilet. <laughs> get your butt to the mm. toilet. Um, and, and, see, and make the people without a gallbladder already know that issue. Oh, yeah. They got, yeah. <laughs> well, right. Well, well, it's not when good. you have that urge, you yeah. got to listen. Because yes. if you don't, it's going to get bad. <laughs> right. But people that are constipated, actually, if they're chronically constipated, that urge, that signal starts to diminish it becomes like a whisper and also if they're dehydrated and if they're dehydrated exactly and so it becomes like a whisper and so they don't feel it like they should and so i think a lot of people kind of walk around and they don't listen to a lot of the cues that their body gives them in the first place absolutely we're so disassociated with our bodies so disassociated uh, i did a lot of talks with some friends that were like really big into like sleep research stuff mm-hmm. and a big thing they were talking about was it's a surprise like it's very surprising how like there's a there is a moment for a lot of people where they get really tired they get sleepy and then you just push past it and then that feeling will go away same That's thing right. kind of with hunger there's like there's there yes. your body kind of will go through it's these motions where it's like it hits this peak and then it disappears that's right and then the same and like but but in the discussion we we're having with sleep they were mm-hmm. like there's a lot of times where like if you feel like you're winding down you feel like you've gotten yourself ready if you feel that urge like you're, you're like you're feeling tired like you're gonna go to sleep just go ahead and go yeah. to sleep just right because that's like the best the best time to really just hit it and then yeah or or with with your hunger or whatever whatever yeah. else it may be but but no, but you're right yeah. that, is it people I don't think that uh, not listening aren't listening with their bodies telling them <laughs> which is like really important or they're listening and then they're like I'm ignoring that because yeah, exactly. I want to watch the rest of mm-hmm. I don't know right Bridgerton I, the thing is I'm also I'm I'm a person that uh, that likes to. Uh, with sleep specifically in the past, I've been really bad at that. I'll work through being tired, and I know that's a it's a bad quality, mm-hmm. and I can attest to it. But as a person that the, the work I was doing as being like a freelance artist and stuff like that, like that was the thing. It was like I, I can just keep on going, I can keep on going until like I I was not getting quality sleep. Mm-hmm. I was like I'm in a bad spot, but then but I'm a lot better now, a lot mostly because I I know that. I am me, but also my body is a is a physical body that has limitations, and I need to listen to that. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, tell me, uh, what are you most proud of as a well, pelvic floor physical therapist? Um. So I guess just what am I the most proud of? It's a big question. <laughs> it is a really big question. I just like. Every time a woman avoids an unnecessary surgery Mm -hmm. because they got pelvic physical therapy instead, Um, women that had a better birth, you know, like those kind of things light me up. Like when they call me like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. my birth was amazing. It was so different. So, you know, um, you know, or thank you so much. I was going to get this surgery and Mm. I was going to be out for six weeks and, (laughs) you know, out of work for six weeks. And, um, I'm just so, you know, so grateful to understand my body. And I just love educating and empowering women Mm -hmm. period on their bodies, um, and what they're capable of and, how much like we can heal, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah. How awesome and amazing the body is, um, given the right environments. <laughs> given right, the right, right environment. Um, and just like, yeah, just I don't know. I just 
I love my job. I love helping women avoid, you know, like I just right, said, right. avoid surgeries, have better births. Um, oh, be able to be intimate with their husband. That's another thing. I'm mm. um, just like love is women that come in and they're not able to be intimate with their husbands mm. because it hurts. Something that's supposed to be pleasurable, something that's supposed to connect mm. you and your husband and draw you closer draws you further apart. Yeah. And when you can get close again and have that kind of intimacy, it's great. And so right. when women come in, they're kind of like, oh, I was able to, you know, mm-hmm. have yeah, sex yeah. with my husband. It wasn't painful. And now, now we can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Now I can actually, now we can do this because yeah, yeah. I can have intercourse with my husband. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't right, right. hurt. And now we can possibly get pregnant. And that is like, I just get so happy and of so course. excited. And so, I, I can yeah. imagine that, that, that yeah. probably is a very big emotional. Yeah. I can see how that can be a very emotional thing for a person yeah. or people in a relationship. And then to be a part of that, it's got to be really special. Yeah. I mean, solving poop problems oh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's fun. I can see, <laughs> but, right, right, right. you know, when people get out of pain <laughs> and they're able to connect, right. you know, better with their husband or connect better with themselves. Uh, of course. That big lights deal. me up, yeah. Right, right, right. I don't think you probably have anybody who was moved emotionally by being able to poo. Hey, well, <laughs> you cannot underestimate a good bowel move. Yeah, well, you haven't had, you probably haven't been constipated. You're right, you're right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak out of turn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, again, hearing, I've heard a lot of, the, mm-hmm. of similar stories with midwives that I've, mm-hmm. I've been able to talk to or been able to, to be around and, and mm-hmm. have that same sort of experience of uh, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of, I feel like personally, in just the conversations that I've been a part of with, with Mallory and myself mm-hmm. and family members and friends and all that kind of stuff, they're just like, oh, that's just the way it is. You got to have an epidural. You got to do this. That's just the way it is. And for, and, and to be a part of a conversation of like, well, that, have to is a strong word. If, if you feel the need, you can. But there are alternatives that are potentially better on your body. Right. And, and, and to be able to be a part of that conversation. And, like, and also me, I never, I've never really known about any of that or been a, a big part of it or been a part of the discussion. But to be with somebody that is... Um, a big advocate and works with a bunch of people that I think are doing a really good work. Um, it's encouraging for me as well to be like, okay, I mean, I can, I can, I can get behind the the mission that they're, they're doing as far as like natural birth work mm-hmm. and, you know, educating women and, and having, make sure, making sure that they're okay as well yeah. as the children and all that kind of stuff is just super cool. And so is, is natural birth simply just without, mm-hmm. without, Painkillers and, and, and this, stuff like that. In this instance specifically, it is uh, usually there is a uh, a nurse present as well as a midwife that is you know kind of intervening and all that kind of stuff. But there's no there's no like doctor involved. There's no medication, and it's all done naturally. Okay, but I, but I, they are but they are within uh, very close proximity of a hospital in case there is a complication. You know, exactly. Yeah. So basically, what women were doing 
for exactly hundreds ever. Before OBGYNs came in and they were like, right. "Oh, not to we say that can see women <laughs> turn this naturally into a ever designed, <laughs> you know, to give birth laying down on a bed nope. in stirrups. You're right, right. You know, that that yeah. was our bodies aren't really designed exactly. That way. Why and we have more tears, yes. prolonged labor, right. all and, these and issues, and that's what and that's what and that's that was a big part of the conversation that I've been a, I've been a part of yeah. with her present a lot of times is like because there's no heavy medication involved because there's nothing like that your your body has a, a natural, natural way, way a way of, right. of recuperating where within a handful of hours you can be up and out of the office and of course every time they're like oh my gosh i can't believe that i had to be there for like 24 hours or whatever and she's like that's just not not the case well, a- again in, you, in the in the 70s and the 80s when women gave birth they did keep them at the hospital for three to five days <laughs> right, right. now even if you have a complicated birth, yeah. they're trying to kick you out within 24 hours. Right. You know, as soon as that 24-hour time period right. passes, they, like, do the hearing test on the baby mm-hmm. and, you know, they do another vitamin K shot and you're on your way. Right. So... But but in the aspect that I'm talking about is, like, there have been... The, the stories that I've heard and, and been a part of is there have been ladies that go in there and, of course, within a matter of, you know, four or five hours, they're, you know, getting in the car going home. Yeah. So, you know, they'll come back the next so, morning. Yeah, for so birth center, <laughs> exactly. birth yeah. Stuff, yeah. Are we starting to see more people wanting to go the natural birth? Is I that- am. I mean, mm-hmm. I am in pelvic health. I feel like over the last eight years, I've seen more and more women desiring um, a natural birth, like having more control over their body, um, understanding that, you know, it could lead to a more optimal postpartum as far as like recovering mm-hmm. you know? and there's a financial um, component too oh, because right. if if people don't have great um maternity coverage you know a birth center birth is a fraction of what a hospital right. birth is mm-hmm. yes so yeah. i think there's a lot i think there's a lot of factors uh, yeah. I, at least for, again from from what i've heard i keep wanting to preface this because obviously i'm not a part of this world uh, yeah. not a part of that whole uh, the whole atmosphere but from what i've heard a lot of it is like it um like with many things in the world, is um, awareness. Is right. that pe- people are talking about it more now. Pe- uh, there's a lot of good outcomes, especially in, in a world where I feel like, like you were saying, everyone's got a horror story with the hospital. To finally hear some stories, at least from what I've heard of people going like, it was actually not an awful experience. Right. And, and, like, and, and I was able to recuperate pretty well. And I had a team of people that were really caring about me. It's like a lot of those things, at least in this area, uh, um, I think are deciding factors because even I'm a I, I I'm not even a woman and to, and to be able to hear all these great things and have great people that really are fighting for you and and are and also educating you. It is very regional it is. because oh, yeah. it's it is. like I had I I had Colia and Katya at UTMB Galveston and UTMB Galveston at the time this was before the big hurricane um, they had a midwife wing attached to labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. So when you went to labor and delivery, you chose to go the midwife route or you chose to have the medical route. They were all on the same floor. You just, one was down one hallway and one was down the other. So you had your choice and you kind of knew beforehand because of the type of care that you got um, throughout your pregnancy, which, which route you were going to go, but you were, you could rest assured that if you had a complication, they just had to wheel you down the hall and you're right there. Versus sometimes with birth centers, they might be 10 minutes away from a hospital. So if you have a complication at a birth center, you you still have to get transported. Yeah, I'm just curious, since we're a generational (laughs) podcast, it'd be very (laughs) interesting to see the the, the views of natural birth from Mm -hmm. like the boomer generation to the X, Mm -hmm. Uh which Mm -hmm. is what we are, to the millennial. Mm -hmm. There has been been numerous a heated debate 
over a Thanksgiving dinner about this very subject in my family where <laughs> really? where grandma may yeah. feel one way, uh-huh. where my aunt feels a very strong way in the yep. opposite. And then, of course, you have me and Mallory sitting here being like, it's not as bad as you think it is. And she, right. and she comes with all these, these I, I think, are not super uh, or very specific use cases of where natural birth may not have been the best option for a person and didn't have the proper right. care and, and takes that and then runs with it, which is I mean, it's most yeah. people when they want to they want to justify their belief. And that's okay. fine. But then, you know, so anyways, so, 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 uh, so, you're, yeah, so yeah. You're, you're the grandma would be the boomer. Uh, right. And or, then or your even, aunt even would probably, be the, even before would be the, the, okay probably uh, would be it would be kind of the ex right, era, right. Yeah, era yeah. and then they're kind of more hospital oriented yeah, yeah. and now i'm curious now with the millennial and gen z mm-hmm. is there now a shift going back i think, I think to get is. away right. from that yeah, i think natural i, really think, there I is. think natural lifestyle has like yes, just being more natural being right. more uh, uh environmentally friendly right. quote unquote and being more green all that kind of stuff it feels very much like a movement that was like part of like millennial generation and even more so i think even so i i'm not surprised that now you have people freeze drying their placenta and eating oh, it well, and stuff. And it's even, even the hippies back <laughs> in the 70s were doing that. Even that feels like that. a special so. use case. You're right, you're right. No even, judgment. No, yeah, you know, exactly. And that's the same thing. Is that like the, the, yeah. my, my aunt has had questions before where she's like, well, do they do that? And of course, you know, Mallory's like, I mean, we could allow it, but no, they well, don't really what do about, that. I also uh, saw some some information regarding natural birth where Sometimes they're they're actually doing it in a in a tub of water. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. what happens. Is that so, what that's yeah, yeah. is that part of the normal it, process? It of, depends, or on is the that just kind of an option it's, versus it's an option. just someone laying on a bed or it's something? It's an option. Uh, it's an option. Yeah, it's it it can help reduce like low back pain, um, you know, during pregnancy. I mean, there's there's a bunch of different reasons why women oh. choose to to give birth in water. Um, but it's not necessarily tied to like a natural birth, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you can you can right. you can birth okay. how yeah yeah you can do whatever you want do whatever yeah. you yeah. want okay. you right, know. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I had my last, I had William in in the shower on accident, not on purpose. Um, <laughs> nice. Kind of happened really quickly. <laughs> not in my home in a hospital. Okay, okay. In I was confused. Hospital. I was like, oh, that no, must have been a scary a, experience. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. In a yeah, I would think that would be pussy. Yeah. No. But um, no, but one of my moms caught her birth on the Nest camera. Oh, oh. gosh. Um, wow. She called me and she was like, <laughs> You want to see? <laughs> so I didn't make it to the hospital. Cool. And I said, right. Well, tell me what happened. She goes, Well, I'll show you because it's oh, on the Nest no. camera. <laughs> 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 Sister, but it was don't share that to the neighborhood yeah, feed, no, right? <laughs> but it was really awesome. And her husband, I mean, her husband, of course, called like as soon oh, as she course. like she she went down on her hands and knees, and um, and he couldn't get her up. And she's like, "No, I'm doing it here." And he called nine one one, of course, and oh they were able gosh. to get there. But she did it, and he was hey. able to be there. He got the baby. I mean, it was it was pretty amazing. I have That's to awesome. say. And I was like, was that was that traumatic? Or I was that like, empowering? I'm just man. curious. And she was like, 
it was empowering. Oh, yeah. It really was. Because um, I felt like, God, I think I would have been man. a little nervous. I, feel, I don't know, but I feel like she felt be, good about it. For me, there'd be a lot of adrenaline. I'd yeah. be like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> you would be ready for this? I don't think I'm ready for this. Yeah. And her so, husband's yeah. like, my wife is freaking oh, superwoman, yeah. man. Like, that's she's cool. fucking awesome. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. She's oh, so cool. awesome. And I was like, I saw her. She yeah. is. She's awesome. So it's cool. like the old days where the man was somewhere else smoking, like, Five cigarettes in his ass. I had had some really close friends of mine that just recently gave birth, um, like the natural birth route, and he was able to be there, like for her through the whole process. And I got to see like some pictures of, you know, just like the whole experience or whatever. And it was it was super. Never witnessed the birth. Well, take that back. I actually have. I, I meant more so like it was, it was it was obviously like the more candid shots of like the the baby and stuff but like but to be able to see that like he was there through the whole process hold her hand and everything and like she was also like I mean she's a strong woman as well so it's just it's really cool to, to see and it was like it, it's it's cool for me again as a person that I, I think my opinion on it has changed in the past couple of years like it's cool to think like I'm also kind of a, a part of like encouraging people to do that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And to see a friend go through that and have people that were there with her, I was like, oh, that's super cool. So, but uh, I think that's, uh, unless you have anything else you want to add, I think that's kind of our, our time for today. So, uh, Lauren, I've been I, a, very, <laughs> a very interesting discussion. Yeah. 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 discussion. Well, wow. I mean, we talked about pee and Children. Is there something we didn't cover today? <laughs> well, you know, a lot You're of people listen spot. to this show <laughs> on their commute. It. Yeah. And <laughs> our aim is to educate and to entertain. And yeah. I think we exactly. have done that. I think today. we accomplished that yeah. with this yeah. episode. I think so too. Thank you so much for coming You're out. You're welcome. I'm, it's my pleasure. Oh, and by the way, just that episode with her mother. Yes. Was episode seventy two. Seventy two. Yes. Oh, and can I add this? Can I plug me? Sure. For a yes. Second? Go ahead. Yes. So my handle on Instagram is the pelvic peacemaker. So oh, if you wanna, that. if you want more information on pelvic floor dysfunction, um, I'm silly. I do some silly reels, <laughs> yeah, but I try it. to make it fun and entertaining for women um, because, like I said, it's taboo. Sometimes women are shameful, and I'm just trying to make it fun and. Um, let them know that there's there's somebody that that's out there that cares and um, and we can make it fun. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Well, and also for us, if you're looking to reach out to us, we have a Facebook page for slash retrospect pod where you can give us our, any more suggestions or little short comments. But we also have an email that you can uh, give us the more lengthy uh, comments you have for us, and that's get offended together at gmail.com but anyways until next week thank you so much for listening bye bye goodbye everyone god bless peace that's what stony was normally says (laughs) Uh, that's my all right well since you took peace on me i was going to say it for stony um i am going to tell everybody to thank your mother because you're the reason why she pees when she sneezes good night everybody (laughs) good night (laughs)